This fall, we are making our way through uh, the book of 2 Timothy, the letter, actually, that Paul writes to Timothy, and we're looking at essentials, life truths that matter. And I want to talk this morning, in our scripture, our scripture is going to be 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to read that in just a moment. I want to talk about the essential in our life of having a support network. Uh, to have a network of people uh, who are gospel people that are there for us in the time of maybe our, our greatest need, a support network. But also I want to talk about the need in our life to be a part of that same activity in other people's life. You understand? It's a network. So that there are people in our lives and we are people in other people's lives that we support them, particularly in times of their greatest crisis. And I believe it is one of the essentials uh, that Paul talks about uh, to the young man Timothy. And so in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 13, uh, Paul says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Uh, there are certain essentials that I believe Timothy and we in turn glean from his words, these final words that he writes in 2 Timothy. Uh, we've already talked about the essential of living out of a sense of purpose, of calling. We've talked about the essential of uh, living in gratitude uh, for what God has brought us through. And then last Sunday we looked at living in courage uh, as we look forward in our life. And this Sunday I want us to talk about, from the words of Paul, uh, living within a support network, a network of supportive uh, gospel people who are there for us uh, in, a, in our greatest times, particularly in the greatest times of our need. And that's actually what I sense, the context is for Paul's words, particularly these words that he writes that we've read this morning uh, at this place in his life. Now, there's kind of one aspect of the circumstances of 2 Timothy that I haven't talked about that I feel compelled to talk about. <laughs> there are two Roman imprisonments for Paul. And this is kind of, this is kind of some foundational things that just helps us understand the Scripture. Um, 
And when we read the book of Acts, we see that Paul, towards the end, is arrested and he's taken to Rome. And uh, this is the first Roman imprisonment. And it's probably about the year 60 to 61. Okay, but there's, there's some things about that imprisonment. Uh, one thing is it tells us in the book of Acts that Paul was under house arrest. That means there was a rented house and there was a guard there, yes, but there were people that were able to come and go and Paul had a certain level of freedom, okay? He was under house arrest. There, the other thing about the first imprisonment is that uh, he denotes in the prison letters that were written at that time a certain sense of optimism. Um, there were four letters that Paul wrote in that first imprisonment. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Uh, there's only one letter he writes in the second imprisonment, and that's going to be 2 Timothy that we're looking at. But in those letters, Paul is optimistic about that he is going to be released from this. Um, there, was a, there was more people that came to see him in that first imprisonment, and the opposition to Christianity at that point, 6061, was focused. And what I mean by that is that Paul had caused a stir in Jerusalem. Uh, the Jews caused a stink. He was arrested. He's taken to Rome, but he's going to get out. But, and, he, and that's historically what we understand, is that Paul was released from the first imprisonment, probably about the year 61. And he goes on about his missionary journeys. One of the reasons we know that is because there are uh, details in other letters like 2 Timothy and particularly the book of the letter to Titus that are not covered in the book of Acts and you realize that there was some time in between there were some things that happened that he must have been released but what happens in the year 64 is that Nero the emperor he raises the level of persecution and uh, what we piece together historically is that then Paul was rearrested when there is this uh, widespread persecution. And so there's several things about the second imprisonment that we glean from 2 Timothy. One is that Paul was not under house arrest. He was chained to a guard, a soldier. There were very few people that either could or would come to see him. He was pessimistic about the outcome. Actually, he says at the end of 2 Timothy, the time of my departure has come. The handwriting is on the wall. He's not going to make it out of this one. And as I denoted earlier, the opposition is systemic. The opposition to Christianity is systemic. It's not focused just on Paul. It is, no, there is a blanket uh, position by the Roman government that Christianity is illegal and if you rock the boat you're going to be arrested and you're going to end up in the same place as Paul. So I need you to get in mind that there is a difference between the first imprisonment and the second imprisonment. And here's what's critical today is that the circumstances, the stress level in Paul's life was much more elevated in the second imprisonment than it was the first imprisonment. This is, this is one of those times in Paul's life where <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. 
I mean, the, the high stress level. And, and here's what's so significant. This is what I glean from his words. When you read between the lines of what Paul has written, what I just read in chapter 1, 13 through 18, Paul was saying, I need some people in my life. Uh, man, and I wish I could tell you today that people rallied and they were there for Paul in his greatest time of need, but I don't think that was actually the case. And we, I've, I've quoted this. You can look in chapter 4, and he says, Everyone has forsaken me except for Dr. Luke. No one stood with me at my defense. <laughs> That's the reason. I mean, he's as close to Timothy as anyone, and he says, Come as quickly as you can. What Paul is denoting is that he needed that support network at the greatest time of his need. Do you understand? The greater the stress level, the greater we see the need for supportive people around us. Now Paul in his words uh, teaches us some things about that support network. And the first one in verses 13 and 14, and we're just going to walk through this for just a few minutes this morning. In verses 13 and 14, when you stop and you read and you look at those words, what you realize is that what Paul is communicating to Timothy is that support network is created by gospel relationships. Um, in verse 13 and 14, it says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Now, there is a sense here that Paul is talking to Timothy about staying true to the gospel. And I'm not dismissing that at all today. In fact, that is a truth that he interjects. He starts here, but it really he's going to detail more later in the letter. letter. And so he's saying to the young man, you need to stay true to, to the gospel, the content of God, what the gospel is all about. And so he says, hold fast. He talks about sound words. He talks about, in verse 14, that good thing. And he says, keep that good thing. And this is a message that the mentor is going to say to the, to the younger man that there are things that I've invested in you that you need to understand and you need to guard that deposit. In fact, the same phrase that is used in verse 14 when it says, that good thing which was committed to you, keep, is the same wording from verse 12 when Paul says about God that he is able to keep what I have committed to him to the, until that day. That there has been something that has been deposited with you. You be a faithful steward of that thing. Uh, Paul ends 1 Timothy's letter in the same way. 1 Timothy 6.20 O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. And there is a sense that Paul in his words in verses 13 and 14 is saying stay true to the gospel truth. Guard that deposit. And he's going he's to talk about that more. But there's something 
there's something a little bit deeper than that. When you look at the words, it's not just that he needed to stay true to the gospel, but he needed to stay true to those gospel relationships. And so I be- in his words, I believe we see this idea of this support network. There were people that invested the gospel in you and are living out the gospel and we serve, we, we live in relationship together. Um, the gospel is always relationally connected to us. It's not just that the gospel is truth out there that we adopt. No, there are people who embody the gospel that pass the gospel on down to that. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know why my mind has gone there this week, but I know in Paul's experience with Timothy, he had invested 15 years of the gospel in his life. It's not just that he had deposited the gospel, but Paul had deposited the gospel through himself. He, he was the embodiment of the gospel. The Kind of the, the idea I get is what John talks about, the word in John 1 when he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then later he says, so there is the word, But then in verse 14 he said, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, I think in Paul's words, he is communicating that the gospel comes embodied in other people. And that's why he says in verse 13, Hold fast the pattern the example. Where was the pattern? Where was the example that Timothy had? It was Paul. It wasn't just this gospel. It was was a gospel that, that Paul had lived out and had passed on to him. And so he says in verse 13, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. There is a relational connection to the gospel that creates this support network among other gospel people. I believe he even alludes to it in verse 14 at the end when he says, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in not you, but us. Please understand that the network of support that is created, that we need It's created by gospel relationships, gospel people, because the gospel always has that network. It's not just the idea of the gospel, but the gospel is always embodied in people, including Paul and Timothy and us. In verse 15, I believe Paul is communicating another truth about that support network. And... It is that that support network (laughs) needs to be people who get beyond themselves. The support network needs to be made up of people who get beyond themselves. The network only really works in a supportive way when people are willing to say, even though it's probably not in my best interest, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to extend myself. I think he's already alluded to that when he used the word love in verse 13. Um... But there is this statement 
in verse 15. And he says, this you know. So Timothy had personal knowledge of this. And it's, it's some of the saddest words in the scripture. That all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. Now, if you're Phagellus and Hermogenes' mother, you're kind of sad that 2 Timothy made it into the Bible. You're thinking, the only time my boys are mentioned, you know, they're like outed by Paul. I mean, Phagellus and Hermogenes are never mentioned in any other Paul's writings. It's, it's kind of amazing to think about the people that Paul named. I, I counted in 2 Timothy, there are 20 people who are named in 2 Timothy. And so I had this great idea. Uh, and if you can Google it and figure out how to get it, I couldn't get Google to pull it up. It's how many people does Paul name in his 13 letters? And I don't know. There's, I started counting in Romans, and it got up to about 30, 35, and I had to take off my shoes and was counting, you know, in my... And I, I don't know, there's 70, 80, 90, maybe there's 100 different people who are named in Paul's letter. And actually, it denotes this network of gospel people. But the only time these two guys, and actually Onesiphorus, the next guy, is mentioned, is here. And, and before you get this idea, it's like, man, that was cold, Paul. You're like out at the, the boys. It's like, man, of all the people you had to name that weren't with you and turned away from you. But please understand, when Paul writes this letter, this is a personal correspondence to Timothy. He's just, he's just talking friend to friend. It's like, man, I just I need to be honest with you. And, and you know this, that everyone in Asia has turned away from me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. Uh, all those in Asia. Asia is not what we think of Asia. It was the Roman idea of Asia, or Asia Minor, which was Western Turkey. Uh, the capital was Ephesus, and so that's going to come into play. And so Asia, as he uses it here, is the region around Ephesus in Western Turkey. Uh, well, in Revelation 2 and 3, the seven churches of Asia Minor. That, that's, so what happened is on Paul's third missionary journey, he goes to, to Ephesus, and we see that in Acts 19 and 20, and he spends three years. In fact, I believe we can piece together that after uh, the first imprisonment, he went back to Ephesus. Paul spent as much time in Ephesus as any other place. And Acts 19 tells us that the gospel went out from there. And so all these churches in this region are started and many people come to faith. And I believe probably uh, Timothy is in Ephesus when Paul writes to him. And so there are many relationships that Paul has. But Paul says, everyone has turned away from me. In the, and I know that sounds like kind of whiny. <laughs> it's like, but... Remember, this is personal correspondence. And there was something that Timothy, when Paul says early in the letter, everyone has turned away from me, and then he says, do everything that you can to get here. There's a little bit of, mm. it's like, no, there's, Paul doesn't have anybody else. I, I've got to get there. 
Everyone, and this is what he says, everyone in Asia has turned away. But here's the kicker, from me. Paul was not denoting they had turned away from the gospel. They turned away from Paul. And you say, why? I think you see it later when he talks about Onesiphorus. And he talks about being ashamed of my chains. And actually, he said that earlier in verse 8 when he says to Timothy, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. This is something that is on Paul's mind. Do not be ashamed of my chains. You know what I think he was talking about? Is the persecution had risen. And uh, (laughs) they'd arrested Paul as one of the ringleaders. And it was kind of like, it was kind of like the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus when they came to arrest Jesus. What did, what did the disciples do? Whoop, whoop, we slept off into the woods. If you go with me to the Holy Lands, I'll show you those woods. Uh, it's like, ooh, we disappearing in the night. It's like, ooh, boy, the heat got turned up in the kitchen. I think I'm out of here, boys. And Paul is, I mean, the, the persecution has risen, and Paul's out there, and it's like everybody's like, well, I... I'm not, I'm not, as, no, I, I don't really know. Paul of Tarsus, I, well, that, that sounds a little bit for me. I don't, I don't know that I, well, there was a guy, but no. Uh, no. I mean, people are like, they're backing off. And that's what Paul denotes there. Such sad words that everyone has turned away from me. Nobody, when the fire was raised in Paul's life, nobody ran to the fire. They all ran away from the fire at his greatest time of need because it was dangerous to be associated with Paul. Here's my point. They could not get beyond themselves. When they saw the circumstances that Paul was in, they said, how does that affect me? And it's like, I think I'm just pulling back a little bit. But you see, a support network has to be a network when it comes to the greatest point of need that we don't run from the fire we run to the fire because our brother or sister is in the fire amen that's the the way that's the only way the support system the support system breaks down if everybody can't get beyond themselves and so the support network is created by gospel relationships but I believe Paul also teaches that that support network needs people that get beyond themselves. And then finally, in Onesimus, Onesiphorus, man, for a guy who couldn't speak when I was, you know, mm, uh, Onesiphorus is a, is a rough word, a name for me. Um, I think in verses 16, 17, and 18, what we, we see one final truth, that that support network needs people who are present. In critical times. Uh, It says in verse 16 and following, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. 
Onesiphorus is a contrast to Phagellus and Hermogenes. And you know the difference? <laughs> he showed up. He showed up. When everybody else was afraid to be associated with Paul, Onesiphorus, no, he just showed up. Now, it's interesting to me, and this is the reason I kind of gave you some background material on the first and the second imprisonment. There is this sense in the first imprisonment that people are caring for Paul's needs by bringing him gifts, food, snicker bars, Dr. Peppers. I mean, things that you just kind of crave in jail. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it was, but you see this. There was, a, there was more freedom of activity in that first imprisonment. Uh, they, were, they were helping in some very practical ways. Here's my sense in, in knowing what that second imprisonment was like. No, they weren't, sneaking, they weren't sneaking in Snicker bars and Dr. Peppers. No, this was tight. They were in jail. I'm sorry. Being silly. They didn't have, everybody knows they didn't have Snicker bars and Dr. Peppers in Paul's day. They had other things. Sorry, I've, I've lost track. I'm, I'm sorry. Here we go. Let me pull it in. Um. My sense is Onesiphorus couldn't or didn't bring into prison one thing. What did he do? He was present. He came. He showed up. It wasn't that the things that Onesiphorus brought him refreshed Paul. No, it was Onesiphorus that refreshed Paul. That word refreshed is a word that means to, uh, it's again with uh, psyche, which means soul or spirit. It means to revive my spirit. Do you understand when Paul was in his greatest need? It really wasn't that he needed anything. He needed somebody just to be there who was a gospel person. Onesiphorus showed up. And he describes it when he got to Rome. And, you know, it's not like you go, hey, I'm looking for the county jail. You know, it's like, hey, could you direct me? I'm looking for the guy who's about to be executed, Paul of Tarsus. No, it's like, I don't know how you find the jail in Rome, but apparently you kind of got to look. And it says that he, he sought me out very zealously and found me. And I love the way Paul puts it. He goes... May God's mercy find him when he comes to that day. Uh, support network needs to be made up of people who show up at the critical times in other people's lives. And I think we see that in Onesiphorus. Um, so what was it? What did Timothy need to hear in Paul's words? What was it that Timothy heard? Timothy knew he needed to go see Paul before Paul later in the letter wrote, come as quickly as you can. Because he said, 
man, Onesiphorus, he really refreshed me. But that seemed to be in the past. Everyone else, <laughs> nobody else is showing up. I believe Timothy heard from Paul, you need to be here. I need you. And the thing that strikes me is we put the Apostle Paul on the highest pedestal we could put of any Christian who has ever lived. And do you understand what the message is? When he came to the end of his, the most critical time in his life, he said, I just need somebody to be here with me. And yes, he's going to say at the end of the letter, the Nobody stood with me at my defense. And he's going to say in the spiritual realm, the Lord stood with me. I understand that. That's big boy talk. But the inside, he said, he was communicating to Timothy, I, I, need, I need somebody. Because the reality is we all need somebody. And the more the stress level raises, the more that need is exposed two things I want to share with you. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Please understand, we need a support network in our lives every day, but particularly those days that are the hardest. Here it is, though. The people around us need a support network. And like Paul, they will send messages. They will communicate they may not say, I need you, but there is going to be something said, something done. And would I, could I suggest to you that you be sensitive to the communications of people? Look at it and see. And when the fire is the greatest in their life, they don't need somebody to run away from the fire. They need somebody to run to the fire because one of the essentials, one of the essentials is that we need to live within a support network. You need it. You need to be it for other people. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close in prayer. Um, as far as announcements one thing I realized Kennedy I think I probably said Kennedy Martin is here today her name is Kennedy Reyes Kennedy Reyes I apologize Mrs. Reyes I'm sure I said Kennedy Martin didn't I, I anyhow we're glad Mrs. Reyes is here with us today um also, tomorrow will be Produce Day, and so uh, that'll be, I know there's people that normally help. Leah, we're always open for anyone that would like to come. They will be delivering tomorrow, so, we've, so we, it's, a, it's a big day. So if you can come and help, that's tomorrow. Just be here, I think, for sure by 9, if not earlier. Um, and if you, if you are joining by the live stream, maybe if we haven't cut away yet, uh, we would love for you to post comments so we know that you're following us, but also if you can uh, just text from your phone, connect card, 
936-415-8090. I think it'll pop up there. Then you can fill out a connect card just so it'll give us an opportunity to connect with you. You can do that also if you're here in person, but especially for those that are joining us by the live stream. So uh, staff members, am I forgetting anything before I pray? Uh, hey, after the service, uh, if you need prayer, if you need to make a decision, uh, I'm here at the front uh, to receive you, and I'll, I'll stay here. And uh, sorry I don't get to stand at the back, really, at this point and uh, greet people, but we're glad that you're here today. A good crew, um, and appreciate you being here, whether you were in person or in live stream. So y'all let me pray this morning. Father, today uh, we thank you for the family that we have within our faith. And Father, I pray that we would be an encouragement uh, to one another and we would support one another. And that, Father, I pray that you would give us sensitivity uh, to those, particularly in times of high stress level, that we would be the very people that would come and support them. And so, Father, I pray that the world would know us as your followers by our love for one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.